0: And Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hour number two of the show, live from the
1: auction Community Studios. At least that's where I am. Wolf is in Tennessee. Cardinals-Titans joint practice this morning. Wolf, it ends up just being one joint practice. They're obviously going to hang around for their game against the Titans on Saturday, but they will be practicing as the Arizona Cardinals if they practice more.
2: Yeah, they they will definitely do that. And can I just say right now, I saw the most spirited team drill I have seen all of training camp. Okay, good. And when I say that, I'm talking about 11 on 11. The most spirited team drill, I saw that out there today between the Arizona Cardinals playing against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if it was because they were in a new village. I don't know if it was because they were on a different field. And I don't know if it was because the color of the Tennessee Titans were on the field right next to him, but man, it was spirited in great
1: tempo. I tell you, you were talking about DeAndre Hopkins earlier in the show and what you saw from him and how he just kind of looked like a guy that was like, yeah, I'll just remind everybody I'm one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL. Put
2: on a show, Luke.
1: Uh, And it's DeAndre Hopkins, so... He just is one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL. But if it had been another receiver you had said, Wolf, part of me would have worried that, okay, how how much of that is him being a really good receiver? And how much of that is the potential thinness they have at the cornerback position? I, I'm not totally – got to be honest. I don't totally get why they haven't addressed this yet. We're not that far away from the start of the season now. I, I would think you don't want to bring a guy in two days before the start of the year if you can help it, right?
2: Yeah, no, you definitely don't want to do that. But again, remember, Vance Joseph is a really heavy man uh, defensive coordinator. He is a guy that loves man schemes for the most part. Whether you're playing man off or you're playing press man, he plays an awful lot of man. And because of that, it's not like you're going to have to teach a corner a whole ton of different ways of running defenses and schemes and things of that nature. Yes, there's going to be a learning curve in terms of the terminology, but a lot of it is, is man. And that's one of the things that I think you'll see Steve Kime continue to work on over this last week. and oh, This last two weeks, I should say, is bringing in a corner. I don't think the corner room is done. I think at some point in time, he's going to make some kind of move they've got 17 million under the cap right now and because of that uh, that makes me feel like they're still waiting for a corner and maybe marcus golden those two things that those are that's pure speculation on my part but i think they're gonna bring a corner in here and i'm not too worried about him getting up to speed
1: yeah what you just said right there bringing in a corner And maybe giving Marcus Golden a little bit more money seems to be the two things that would make a lot of sense with that 17 million in cap space that you just pointed out because Wolf, you know, Byron Murphy, I think we all have pretty high expectations for him and for good reason. Uh, Marco Wilson seems to have either taken a step back in Cliff Kingsbury's eyes or Antonio Hamilton has stepped in front of him, whatever it is. That all adds up to, okay, you've got two, three guys that you feel confident in. Who knows about the depth right now? But then you get messages like this. And Darren Urban tweeted this out just a few minutes ago. said Cliff Kingsbury said he wasn't concerned with whatever issue cornerback Antonio Hamilton is dealing with. Quote, he's still being evaluated, unquote. When asked what's wrong with him, quote, we'll let you know week one when we have to unquote (laughs) which is like okay that's Cliff you can hear Cliff coming through that (laughs) through the screen right there but it's it's a reminder of like if Antonio Hamilton let's just say wasn't able to go week one What do you have at corner against Patrick Mahomes? The first comment back from somebody was, could the Cardinals just open the season with no active corners? That would be an intriguing idea. And I had to laugh because that was easier than crying.
2: No, exactly. Um, Listen, I understand your concern. It's just, it's not a finished product. It's not a done deal right now. This This is my feeling on this. Nobody has told me this. This is just how I feel. I'm speculating. The room is not done. The room is not done. There are cuts that are going to be made out here, and there's going to be some type of trade. I believe that. Now, again, nobody's told me that. This is my own gut feeling. It's going to happen. I'm not worried or not hyper-concerned with a cornerback room right now. One of the reasons why is because of the training camp that Byron Murphy is having. The quiet, very confident, um, efficient training camp that Byron Murphy is having. Can I tell you right now, the play of the practice, the entire practice, was Byron Murphy picking off Ryan Tannehill in the end zone hmm. on a two-minute drill. And I mean, it was nice. And I'm talking about a throw that was made from Ryan Tannehill inside the 20-yard line, a corner route. And Byron Murphy was right there, high-pointed the ball, went up for it, grabbed it, pulled it down, man. It was an awesome play. I'm talking about where you had D-Hop running down the sideline all the way down the sideline and run up and hug Byron Murphy. I mean, you think about that, man. It was was that kind of play that got everybody. I mean, everybody. James Conner came running down. Everyone came down, and they were just hooting, hollering, whooping it up big time right there, and, you know, it was the intensity that uh, really caught my attention, but Byron Murphy made that play. Baker, or Buda Baker, I almost said Baker Mayfield, (laughs) Buda Baker actually talked about Byron Murphy's interception during the two-minute drill after practice today.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was it was a a great sequence. Uh, both both uh, you know two minute drills that we did do it was it was great. Um, we were in a situation with 13 seconds left, no timeouts. They tried to get it in an end zone, and of course Murph picked that off. So you know it was definitely special today. Definitely a great day for the for the team. Look, the, and, the great. Can I also
2: say quickly too, right off of that, Buda Baker, It was the only time the Tennessee Titans won... The ones out on the field actually went down and got into scoring position. It was the only time they did, and guess what? Byron Murphy picked it.
1: Well, that's what the Cardinals obviously have working in their favor as you have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson behind these corners. So it's not like you need to have the best corners in football. And if Byron Murphy is going to take yet another step, that's obviously huge. The thing is, Wolf, I mean, if, if, even if Murphy's great, if they don't have anybody opposite him, teams will just throw to the other side of wherever Byron Murphy is But because you have those two safeties, you do have more margin for error. It's not like they have to go out there and get Jalen Ramsey, but it just feels like that, that tweet from Darren Urban, that quote from Cliff Kingsbury... It was just such a reminder of something Cardinals fans already know. What if Antonio Hamilton had to miss a couple games? What if Byron Murphy had to miss a couple games? Like These things happen in an NFL season. They they just don't have anything established behind them yet.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I just got to say this quickly. We have to talk about Jalen Thompson because he had the hit. He had the hit of the entire We could practice. do a four-hour show on I Jalen mean, Thompson. I mean, lit, on. <laughs> lit up the receiver, Luke. We're going to talk about that. Jalen
1: Thompson is one of the best things the Cardinals have going for them and you can tell people nationally haven't totally caught on yet right because when they start to rattle off oh yeah the Cardinals have Buda Baker and yeah. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins you don't see a lot of national love for Jalen Thompson yet but 100% one of the best things they have going for them much of the offseason was spent dreaming about Kevin Durant teaming up with Devin Booker on the Suns so now that's not happening where does this rank among the all-time what-ifs? for sports in the valley that's next it's the wolf and luke show 98 7 fm arizona sports station
0: wolf and luke middays 98 7 fm arizona's sports station
1: okay if we are moving on in the valley away from kevin duran at this point wolf this is, I, I just, maybe it's just me, but I want to know who to blame for this not happening. So, is it the Pacers for offering DeAndre Ayton? Is it Minnesota for making such a ridiculous trade with Utah that, like, no other significant trades could get done this offseason? I I don't know whose fault it is, but it certainly felt like this was a realistic possibility for a while there. And I'm not saying it never is, but it it certainly also feels like if you're the Suns, you got to move forward at this point. It does, though. Maloney brought this up in the pre-show meeting. It really does uh, bring up the the conversation of where this ranks in the all-time Arizona what-ifs, doesn't it?
2: No, no. No, not the what ifs. Anything but the what ifs. No, it's, it's <laughs> Do the we what have ifs. to? I mean, anything but the what ifs. The what ifs. There are no guarantees on any ifs. There aren't. They never are. I mean, I know you, you. I know that. Oh my goodness! The people in Arizona love to focus on the what ifs. I'm not poo-pooing of what that whatsoever. But who lives? Who wants to live in the what ifs? What if Santonio Holmes was out of bounds? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. There's a lot of these. Okay, what if he was out of bounds? Okay, if he was out of bounds, the Arizona Cardinals probably win the Super Bowl. Probably. Yeah. But what see he, he wasn't out of bounds. He was in bounds. They lost the Super Bowl. There's no guarantee they would have won the Super Bowl, even if he didn't catch that ball. So why why would you put yourself through that kind of mental exercise on on losership? Yeah, I just the the exercise
1: of looking through this though, Wolf, and I did this before the show because because Maloney brought it up. I thought it was a really good topic of like, okay, where where does this fit? Because you're like I said yesterday, you're never going to be able to convince me that if the Pacers don't offer sheet DeAndre and that the Suns don't have about a 95 percent chance of getting Kevin Durant, I can't prove that. Like you said, that that wouldn't have guaranteed a championship, but in terms of getting Kevin Durant, I think they were that close. Now it doesn't really matter because they still have a good team. But as I was sitting here trying to put together all the what-ifs that I could think of in Valley Sports history, most of them are the Suns. Like, Maloney, Maloney just brought up the Cardinals. One. I can't think of another Cardinals one off the top of my head. There might be one.
2: but Okay, but, Luke, do you, do you honestly, do you live your life in the what-ifs? Do you? I, do no, you, I, personally? I don't.
1: I don't. Not when it comes to my life, but when it comes to Valley Sports, I'm getting there.
2: <laughs> okay, Maloney, what about you? Do, you? do you live your life in the what-ifs? I mean, we're in the business of speculation, right? Yeah, this is- oh no, no, but do you live your life in the what ifs? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the decisions you make, good or bad, whatever happens to you. Oh man, if I just would have done this. Oh no. I don't no, do that. Yeah. Right, yeah. That that's me. I live in the what is for the most part. But not not the what ifs. It is interesting with the fact that the sons were so close and I grew up here in the Valley and there were a couple times you know when the Peyton Manning conversations were happening you know oh Peyton Manning's in Phoenix that was never close but the KD stuff we were really close
1: if you start to put together a list like this I'm sure people driving around are thinking of a, like if you can think of one go ahead and you can tweet into the show uh, at Wolf and Luke you can tweet me we can tweet Maloney Wolf whatever uh, but For me, Wolf, off the top of my head, all I could think of were the ones that Maloney just threw out there for the Cardinals. Certainly, the Coyotes, if they actually had a slightly better record, would have gotten Connor McDavid, and that's, you're talking about one of the probably five greatest players in in hockey history. But all the other ones seem to be sons. It's, you know, what if you win the coin flip and you get Kareem in 1968? What if Robert (laughs) Ory doesn't throw Steve Nash into the scorer's table in 2007? What if you take Luca in 2018? What if John Paxson doesn't make that shot in 93? Obviously, this one with Kevin Durant. Like, there are a lot of them in the Valley, but the more I look at it, most of them are, are the Suns. That's not the Suns' fault. But it's just, <laughs> this is a, a, a Suns city, I think, predominantly. Like, if most most Valley sports fans, if you said you can have one team win the championship this year, I think the majority would still pick the Suns because they're the oldest team here. And yet, it they, they have just been through it with some of these what-ifs. The Kevin Durant one, the one thing about this is like looking for perspective. I don't even think it's in the top five when i was just gonna
2: say that i was just gonna say honestly right now please tell me at least if you're gonna rank these one ifs in particular with the phoenix suns if you're gonna rank these one ifs and really start talking about it at least tell me kevin durant really isn't that
1: high no because i because they still have a good team that they still have a good team if you had gotten Kareem in 1968. It's
2: not only. Yeah, but I, I, 1968. I, yeah, okay, great. If you would have gotten Kareem, who knows what would have happened? Well, you know what makes 19- this go away? 68. People uh, stop
1: thinking this way when you actually have titles,
2: Wolf. Like if the Suns yeah. had won
1: the title two months ago, no, we wouldn't be. We never even would have been
2: talking about Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm just wow the kevin durant thing once again who knows how close the phoenix suns truly were on that who knows just because KD said he, wa- he wanted to play with Devin Booker doesn't mean they were actually really close to pulling a deal off. It doesn't mean they're not. It's, it doesn't mean they're not someday going to be back in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes and have an opportunity. I don't believe it's gone away to begin with right now. I, I don't believe that. I think the Suns are still in it. I think James Jones is still talking to Sean Marks. I think he's still trying to figure out how they can somehow, some way pull this thing off. Even even though the Brooklyn Nets are saying and letting everybody know, no 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 no. We've hit the reset button on Kevin Durad right now. All is well. You don't have to worry. I I do not believe that. I do not believe that Kevin Durant to the Brooklyn Nets is a done deal. And because of that, I still think that it's wide open and that general managers are going to call. It's just never going to be discussed at any point. There's not going to be a leak by Kevin Durant and his agent. There's not going to be a leak by Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. There's going to be no leak about that because they're trying to up his, his value. Having said all of that, who knows how close the Suns truly were to getting Kevin Durant. Is it even a what if at this point? And then if they would have got him, who knows if he would have totally destroyed the culture and there'd be drama that came here. Yeah, intellectually, they're a better team. There's no doubt about that. If Kevin Durant is here, they're a better team intellectually. What about emotionally? Are they a better team? I, I
1: hear what you're saying, but then I all mean, I can think of if. is uh, what if Ron Artest hadn't put back that shot in the Western Conference Finals in 2010? <laughs> so I, I oh
2: know.
1: man! You know what, though, honestly, and, and I mean this—the Kevin Durant stuff. You know how you know how I know it doesn't rank that high on the all-time Valley Sports What Ifs. Wolf is as you're talking, I'm already kind of over it. Whereas I'm not over. Robert Ory throwing Steve Nash into the scorers table and that was fifteen years ago. <laughs> so if I could get over the Durant stuff in like a day and a half and I can't get over the uh, the Ori play fifteen years later, then I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and say that one ranks a little bit higher. But it is, it's just it's crazy when you go through these yeah. and you look and you're like, Man, it's it's it's
2: mostly the Suns. I I, I I know that fans care about that. I know they do. As a former player, I don't. It's the what is.
1: I just think if you're a fan, that changes when the Suns win a title. When the Suns win a title, you don't care as much about some of these. You don't care about John Paxson's shot in 93. Maybe what if isn't the right way to put it. Maybe it's more just like how close you got to something. Maybe, maybe that's it. But, I mean, I'm looking at the D-backs. I can't find anything with the D-backs. I really can't. So I guess I guess that's good. I'm sure there is something, but I can't think of it off the top. Well, of my how head. about
2: this right here? What if the Diamondbacks never traded Paul Goldschmidt? Well, yeah. That's, how about that? Yeah. Well, what if the Diamondbacks never traded Max Scherzer?
1: Yeah, actually there's a lot. <laughs> if you do what if the Diamondbacks never traded, we could put together a whole team, I guess.
2: You know, the D-backs have already won a world
1: championship. That's maybe that's why they get a pass. Maybe that's why it, they don't jump to the front of my mind of like, "Oh, what if they hadn't done this?" They've certainly made personnel mistakes, but it just doesn't sting as much as some of the the Suns have gotten so close to huge moments so many times. It's got to pay off for Suns fans at some point, doesn't it? You can't keep getting that close. Yeah. All right. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. We come back. How confident are you that Darrell Williams will be a key part of the Cardinals' running back room this season? Pro Football Focus has their hesitations. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: I right, roster cuts yesterday around the NFL. They get every team down to 80 the uh, Cardinals actually at 81 right now because you have that exception with uh with with psycho wolf we're, I'm I still haven't got to see psycho do much at camp but we heard good things about him from Max Williams you were saying good I saw her seeing good things on Twitter from Darren urban heard good things from you as well what's uh I mean he's got he's in a pretty loaded room but we, yeah, you see him make an impact on this team. Yeah, that
2: could you. You just don't know, honestly. The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I could see them keeping four tight ends, and Bernhard Psychobits would be a guy that I think would be in the running for that fourth tight end. It'd be a dicey proposition, of course. You've got Steven Anderson, a guy that fi- factors into it as well. But yeah, you've got Zach Ertz, as we all know, and yes, you got Max Williams. And you got Trey McBride, of course. Um, those are your three that are definitely going to be here. Who that fourth may be, I don't know. I do know that Sykovitz has really developed as a pretty good teams player and uh, saw him actually make some plays. And I would say this right here. Look at the guys who are on Punt Pro going into this last game. Go ahead and break it down. Make sure you record the game. You can play it back, and you can see which guys stop. the game on Punt Pro because Punt Pro is the most important special team in terms of actually um, winning games, (laughs) like not getting uh, punts blocked. It's really important you don't get a punt blocked because that, more times than not, if you look at the statistics of games, if you get a punt blocked in a game, your odds of losing that game skyrocket. Isn't that interesting?
1: Yeah, it's a horrible turnover, basically.
2: It's a horrible turnover. It really is. So most special teams... coaches put guys they know are going to be here they know they're going to be on the team, on that punt pro, especially in that last game, getting them ready for the first week of the season. Look at the people that are on that punt pro to start this game.
1: All right, James Conner spoke yesterday about the running back room, and we got into this a little bit, but I want to add this other dynamic to it, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. So let's start here with James Conner just talking about the focus of the running back room in general. You know, the competition is there,
3: um, but the guys are focused, man. They've been focused since, since they one of training camp, you know,
0: and um, as it's coming to an end, you know, it's um, they, they shouldn't be focused more or any less. It should be the same focus, you know, just trusting themselves
1: and doing what they do best. They're all here for a reason. They're all talented players. So now, like we said, as they get to end, just sharpen up these small details. So Wolf, you and I have been talking about the running back position for a while, through the sense of they got five good ones, or at least five good enough ones, right? I mean, that's yeah. not, nobody's can confuse Keontae Ingram for Derrick Henry. Nobody's saying Eno you know, Benjamin's Dalvin Cook, but they've got. I think they've got some depth there. It basically when when. When mandatory minicamp started in the off season, it felt like okay. You had Connor, then you had Darrell Williams on the next tier, and then you had Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, Keontae Ingram. And for a while there, it seemed like maybe Eno had passed Darrell Williams, or at least had the opportunity to. Eno hasn't done anything like an amazing in a preseason game. Darrell Williams has barely. Played in the preseason, we've been debating back and forth. Okay, if you're only going to keep four, and you probably can't keep more than four, uh, you know who's going to get left out. Pro Football Focus had this story where they went in and they they looked at potential uh, potential surprise names that might get dropped here before, like, actual play begins. Yeah. And they threw Daryl Williams' name in there. I know. That was kind of surprising to me.
2: Yes, it was. It's kind of surprising to me as well. And there are whispers, and I'm hearing whispers that maybe Daryl Williams is actually on the bubble. I don't believe it. Can I tell you that right now? That personally, I don't believe it. And the reason why is because he's getting so little time in the first two preseason That's why.
1: games. That's I'm 100% because, because I was starting to fall into that mindset of maybe if Eno goes off. He could pass Darrell Williams. And if he's passed Darrell Williams, Jonathan Ward's a different player. So I don't think Darrell Williams impacts Ward. And then maybe they want to keep Ingram because they drafted him. Maybe you save a little money, although it's not that much if you move on from Darrell Williams. But like you just said, he didn't really play in the first two games. They get one carry against Baltimore. So that tends to indicate we already like this guy enough. We're keeping right. him around.
2: Exactly. And that's the reason why I'm hearing these whispers and, and the Pro Football Focus report con- Coming out as well. I, I I'll believe it. I guess when I see it. Um, now I know. Who knows how much he's going to play tomorrow or, or not tomorrow? <laughs> Probably not much tomorrow. Saturday, of course. <laughs> who knows? I'm so used to being <laughs> in the, city the day before the game, not the entire week before the game. Um. Yeah. Who knows how how much he's going to play against the Tennessee Titans on Saturday night here in Nashville? Um. But. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. I, I don't believe the stories right now. I don't believe the whispers about Darrell Williams. I think he's here. But who knows? And I think they're only going to keep four. There's no way in the world you can keep five. You just you can't do that. I'll be shocked. As a matter of fact, I'll make a full apology if, in wow. fact... Yes. If, in fact, they keep five running backs, I will apologize to the entire base.
1: Yeah, look, you know what? I will apologize with you. And I guess I'll apologize to the Valley and you apologize to the Basin because there's just no way you can keep five. Look, in a perfect world, if you had a 60-man roster, go ahead. But I want to read you the opening line of what they say about Daryl Williams on Pro Football Focus. They say okay. Williams—so what? The, the point of this article was they identified eight players around the league that they could be surprised trade or cut candidates— over the next you know week or two before the season really gets going. The first line on Darrell Williams says, Williams is a curious case, but he was a player identified by multiple league sources as someone who could be a surprise cut or trade this summer. Multiple league sources. That doesn't okay. make it true, but that yeah. does mean people are at least talking about that.
2: Well, maybe it was because he was a little overweight um, in the offseason. Maybe, maybe that was something that got their attention right there. I really don't know, but we're going to have to wait, and we're going to have to see on that. Can I just tell you this right now? Derek Henry... <laughs> Derrick Henry was walking around, and he was walking around in full dress, but he took his shoulder pads off and his helmet off after, after the practice and was walking. And I saw so many Arizona Cardinals come up to him, so many players, so many coaches, so many front office people watching Derrick Henry walk around a practice field. When he's done, it's a very humbling, humbling experience. This man is one of the largest human beings I think I've ever seen. And watching him, he's walking around with Cliff Kingsbury coming up to him, and you, you could just see the respect on uh, coaches like Cliff, of course, general managers and players, guys that play against him, coming up to him just to say, you know, hey, respect you great. It was really, really cool to see it. And after watching him walk around the practice field without his shoulder pads on, there's no doubt in my mind that he was beamed down from the mothership.
1: (laughs) No doubt. There is not a single player in the NFL I would want to have to tackle less. (laughs) I mean, guys that what would, actually be, you know, would actually get the ball. Like, I'm sure there are linebackers that wouldn't be fun to tackle if they were taking back a pick six. But in terms of an offensive player, I just, I mean, there's yep. no
0: way that doesn't suck. Like, you're going into that <laughs> Sunday
1: knowing this is going to suck for three hours and I just have to deal with it because I'm yep. getting paid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess the good thing you don't have to play against him this year if you're the Cardinals. Maybe that's what they were all going up to him and saying, hey, at least we don't have to, uh, to deal with you. Uh, just announced comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk to D-Backs assistant GM Mike Fitzgerald and get his thoughts on the state of the team here as we get close to wrapping up August. That's next. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com. D-backs beat the Royals
1: last night 7-3. to Manuel Rivera continues to do some damage at the plate for the D-backs. They get the Royals again today. They are now 5-3-1 and one in series since the uh, All-Star break. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is their assistant GM, Mike Fitzgerald. Uh, Mike, thank you for the time today. I, I have to think, for the most part, you guys are satisfied with the direction we've seen from this team since the All-Star break.
3: Yeah, as you alluded to, we're, we're playing more competitive series, um, you know, this this weekend with a clunker, um, but seeing the guys come out last night, bounce back after the off day, um, have, you know, uh, through the first four innings, a fairly frustrating game where we're sitting there still tied 0-0, despite putting some traffic on the bases, and Davies was throwing the ball well, and and then the Royals ended up taking a lead, and, and we were able to counterpunch and and put a seven spot up, seven spot up on them throughout the rest of the game, and, and lock down a W and take care of a game that uh, that we needed to win in. So yeah, it, it that was kind of a microcosm of uh, how the team's been since the All Star break, and it's been good to see. And the whole mindset all along has been let's do what we can tonight to get a W and go one zero. Um, but then big picture, we want to make sure we're we're continuing to build and push forward and. I think we said this a month ago, but you know we want to be able to sit, look back at this and say, hey, we were playing our best baseball as, as the season came, came to a close, and let's see where that gets us.
2: Boy, on that note right there, Mike, I, it sounds like it's so important to still see these young guys develop. Is it all about development the rest of the way for this season?
3: I don't think it's all about development, no. Um, I, we want to win as many games as we possibly can. Over the course of these next 39, I think that we'll have after tonight, um, and, and including tonight. And so we, we, winning at this level is still always the number one priority. Hayes has said it all the time. Um, you know, development's great. Having, you know, talented prospects is great. But at the end of the day, we want wins at the big league level. That's what we're all here. That's what we're all aiming for. Um, within that, are there ways to find overlaps of getting some of, You know, these young guys, additional reps, and and have them break their teeth in. Of course, we want to find ways for that to happen. Um, And and even in looking at, you know, the club and where we're playing right now, yes, Walker and Rivera are having great months, and and Rojas is having a strong month, and and McCarthy's also having a strong month for us as well. So on the offensive side, you know, we see some of that young group uh, taking steps forward, and we, we want to create opportunities for them to continue to show that they can contribute and help us win games at the major league level. That's what we're. We're aiming for, and that's what we want to find out more about what we have, and then also make sure we're we're winning the games and, and beating the teams that we should.
1: Talking to Mike Fitzgerald, Mike, we had Stone Garrett on the show last Friday, and I mean, he 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 talked like a very confident young player in this league. He took quite the path to get to this point. He's only had 15 major league at bats, but he has six hits in those 15 at bats. What have you seen from him, and, and what are your your big picture expectations for a guy like Stone Garrett?
3: Yeah, the story is awesome, right? Having somebody eight, nine years uh, not getting a chance selling real estate at one point during the pandemic when everything kind of went haywire and then uh, being able to not only get a taste of the big leagues but come up and immediately on day one help us win a game uh, was a pretty special moment. And. And it's it's a testament to the work that Stones put in. It's a testament to the coaches that he's had the last couple of years in Amarillo and Reno, um, and preparing him for this moment and trying to highlight things he does really well and and, and you know bring attention to the tools that he has to help guys win, to help a big league team win games. Right? The, not very rarely do we get guys that come up here that can do. You know every aspect of the game. Um, you know to the to the 90th percentile to help us win games. More often than not, it's trying to figure out what's my role on this team going to be. Um, how am I able to? You know whether it's making a defensive play, whether it's uh, having a good at bat and working working a starter's pitch count up, or whether it's like he's done. Uh, you know finding the barrel and, and producing extra base hits. Um, it's it's been exciting to see that, and we just want him to keep coming up and trying to ask himself, what are ways in which I can help the team win tonight, and and try to fill that.
2: Mike, there is an old saying in the game of football, you cannot have too many corners. You cannot have too many corners in the NFL. Can you have too many outfielders in a baseball organization? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what?
3: Starting pitching is probably the analogy that people go. Uh, I don't know that they would go outfielders. Uh, We seem to be in a spot where we do have quite a few outfielders. yeah I you know having too much of one thing if it's a good thing is is never a problem right maybe it it requires some creativity on Tory's end and, and finding ways to get these guys at bat um but at the end of the day you know the performance dictates a lot of that as well so the guys will kind of show you who, how they need to get in there and um yeah i i the, the Seeing Stone come up and having the ability to kind of handle lefties a little bit, at least complement some of that other left-handed group. So there's some creative ways to kind of find everybody their opportunity to get a bite at the apple and, and help us win games. Uh, but, yeah, if I'm if I'm picking what's the baseball analogy, I'm saying it's probably starting pitching. Um, and for us, you know, based on the way the season's got it, it's probably bullpen, too. You can never have, uh, you know, we've right. learned that and, and seen that, and that's, that's obviously a primary focus that we want to make sure we address and, and improve on as we move forward.
1: Talking to Mike Fitzgerald. Mike, we really do have to go back and look at what their record is, what your guys' record is the night before we've had you on the show. Because, I, I mean, you guys might be honestly like eight or nine and 0 with the win last night, too.
3: Um, yeah, with Sunday, too, I was sitting there and, and I, I'm not going to lie, it crossed my mind. And I was like, okay, nice. We can pull off a win on Sunday. We get an off day. We go get a win Tuesday and we can keep this streak alive. And then, uh, you know we had the inning where we had three misplays, plays but yeah it, it was on my mind as well i'd be lying if it said it wasn't
1: uh i do want to ask you about christian walker just because he kind of gets lost in the shuffle we talk about all these guys in their their mid to young 20s uh, that you have hitting a guy like christian walker i know the average isn't great i know the expected average when you look at it should probably be a lot higher but how how much has have you seen him evolve this year
3: yeah i think he's been our offensive anchor in a lot of ways um the evolution from last year, and, and and I don't think he was as bad of a hitter as the numbers were kind of panning out, but there were, you know, it wasn't a great season for him last year. It was a subpar season, um, The standard, our standard tire and his standard tire. And to his credit, um, he spent the offseason really trying to attack ways in which he was making outs and pitchers were, were forcing him to expand in different areas. And, and he came to camp this year and Had ideas that he was bouncing off our coaches here and, and everybody kind of got on the same page in terms of what he, what, what everybody, you know, the the potential everybody saw, but what he needed to do to be able to reach that. Um, and then even like you said, at the start of the year, you know, that, I think there's a lot of guys that can look up on the scoreboard and see, you know, 205 and get demoralized by that when they're three months in. And he just stuck with it, stuck with it. Hard contact, hard out after hard out. Nope. I'm going to stay right here. I'm in a good spot. And are his numbers where he wants them to be? No, but he's still got 40 games or so to, to keep rising that bar. Um, and, you know, he's going to, at the end of the year, be a 30 plus home run guy. And who knows where that average non-base end up settling. And yeah, I think in a lot of ways, he's been our anchor offensively.
2: So, Mike Alec Thomas, of course, started great. Uh, started off the season. At least I thought he started this season off great. Then it seemed like pitchers adjusted to him, and he was in a dry spell. Last two games, has five hits. Where's Alec Thomas right now in his maturation?
3: I think he the last couple nights in particular, um, it it seemingly been a function of him looking to simplify the game a little bit. You know, to go, I guess I'll go basketball analogy here. But, uh, you know, when, when the when the three-point shooter starts off 0 for 6, more often than not, that seven-shot attempt is probably going to be, let me try to get a layup here, see the ball go in, get fouled, maybe get a free throw. I think Alec was kind of going through that these last couple of days saying, okay, you know, yes, I want to be a gap-to-gap guy. I can catch the ball up front at times and do some damage and, and, and get myself on second base and I'm going to score. Um, but I think when, when he's struggling and when things aren't coming as easily, being able to simplify it a little bit and say, you know what, today a win's going to be if I can hit four line drives. Let me use the whole part of the field. I get 90 degrees to work with. When we use everything that's there, I'm going to hit some hard line drives and, and, and get myself on base, swing a good pitches, uh, really be fine with my approach. I think he's kind of gotten back to that, trying to simplify the game a lot of ways, and, and he saw a turn, and then as he starts to, you know, start to feel that confidence a little bit in the bat to ball again, and, and putting the ball where he wants it to, then he can get a little frisky in terms of trying to get back to creating damage, but I honestly think it's just been a simplification of the approach and the mindset and uh, not trying to do too much.
1: Mike, I know you're not looking ahead to next year too much, but the uh, the schedule released today where you guys are going to host eight American League teams next year, and you're going to actually host the most teams at Chase Field that you've ever hosted in, in D-backs franchise history, kind of a new look in 2023.
3: Totally. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of it. I, I love the idea of getting a chance to play all 29 other teams. I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for the fans to be able to see, um, you know, have a chance. If you're either getting catching them at home, or then even if you're watching games on TV, you're going to get a chance to see every other team in the major league. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's great for the game. Um, and then, you know, from a strategy and selfish standpoint, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, the divisions created some some problems for us. So. We still need to figure out how to, how to take care of games in the division. Um, but if we get a chance to kind of play outside of it, that might not be the worst thing for us either.
1: Well, Mike, we appreciate the time as always. I th- honestly, I think the solution is just you do an interview with us after the most important games, and you guys will be just fine. So schedule all those Dodgers games on Thank like you, Tuesday Mike. nights. Thanks, Mike.
3: <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Take care. That's
1: Mike Fitzgerald joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. And we come back, we'll take you through the top stories of the day. Wolf and down your lunches. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: You've been listening to Diamondbacks Front Office Focus. Presented by Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. G-O-E-T-T-L. It'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. Gettle.com.